seated. Boy, you sound in tune today really well. Well, did everybody get an outline if they wanted one? Okay, good. Last words, um, last words are so important. Um, we're talking about the last words Christ says from the, the cross. Last week we looked at Father, forgive them, for they know what they, not what they do. And today we look at the word of assurance as he talks to this thief on the cross. I have probably, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but it's probably been hundreds, hundreds of people I've sat with and heard their last words, you know, been with them. Um, and in those, those hundreds, large hundreds of people I've been with over these 40 years, some of them, when they're saying those last words, it's full of hope. You know what I mean? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a dire thing that's going to happen. They're ready to move through that door from, from this world that we live in to that eternity that they're going to. And then some are not hopeful. Some are not joyful. Some are not as everyone would anticipate because there's no, no assurance in their lives that, that um, there's something more. I've been to a funeral with a, a small church that would hold 50 people that had 500 at a funeral in that church. Sat there and outside, all around that building, to honor and worship a guy who had that insurance. And then I've been to a funeral graveside where there's three people there. The two people from the funeral home and me. And the mother was right across the street for her son. So you see, assurance uh, and death is, um, plays a part in everything that Jesus is saying. And here on the cross, we hear that dichotomy going on between the thief that had no assurance and the one that did. The one that did. It's an amazing thing that we need this word of assurance today that you will be with me in paradise. No matter what's going on, this, this um, statement from this young man is one that is around the world. Everybody knows that he had this deathbed conversion. And I'm going to try to, t- to share with you today that same assurance that he had on the cross. I want to I share with you this morning the simplicity of what God is saying. When that thief looked at him and said, remember me, and he said, today you'll be in heaven with me. So simplistic, we as theologians, we as people, we as well-meaning Christians want to complicate that and say, no, there has to be more. And I want to share with you today that there isn't more. I want to share with you things that I think that God has put on my heart to let you know over these years that this passage literally is wrapped all around the fact that you can know. That you can know without a doubt. It's, it's, in the, it's really, if you, if you really want a tremendous book on this passage, the book of 1 John 
You know, there's three little books in the back, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Read 1 John. Read 1 John. 1 John is all about knowing that you know. The word in, in 1 John is gnosko. The Greek word is gnosko, and it means, it means far more than knowing. You know what I mean? You know, um, my sister, for example, she knows an awful lot. She's an extremely intelligent person. Extremely intelligent person. I'll tell you how intelligent she is. She never graduated from high school, but she taught at the University of Alaska. Can you imagine? You know why she didn't graduate? Because it was way <laughs> She didn't need it. My sister was completely, is completely a person who knows things, but yet she doesn't know a lot of things. Do you know what I'm talking about? And that's the way we are as Christians. I think a lot of us as Christians know, but we really don't know. Because I've seen it on that deathbed when we get there. I want you to know that today, if you don't hear anything, I want you to grab a hold of this. In Christ, you're okay. Amen? In anything else, you're not okay. But in Christ, you're okay. Let's read the scripture together. And watch the words. Watch what happens. It's just these, these few verses, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and, and us. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, say to you, today, 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 he says. This is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. The whole time that I was doing this and getting ready for this thought, you know, of this passage here, all I had to do, the whole time that I'm putting this together, even this morning I went in and changed things. I, I was trying to keep it simple. It is difficult, friends, to keep it simple. But listen to what God has to say to us today and see if, if you want to write these things down and then look at the scriptures later um, See if God doesn't talk to us and, and, and tell us that. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> you know. All right. Let me give you the first line. The first thing we need to know about knowing is this. We must know. I must know. I'll put it in a, my, personally with me, with you. I must know. That I'll face God after I die. That's a central truth that we have to grab a hold of. It's in verse 40. Don't you fear God even when we're dying, you dummy? <laughs> Don't you fear God even when we're dying? Don't you realize the seriousness of the situation that we're in? Famous last words. 
Phyllis Ann and I were watching Larry King one night. I got to come down here with you. We were watching Larry, Larry King one night. Do you remember Larry King? We were watching him one night, and um, here's the famous last words. We have to remember that when we die, we're going to face God. And there are people in this world that do not believe that. We were watching Larry King one night, and uh, Kath, or, uh, what, what's her name? The lady that um, took prayer out of school. You know who I mean? Jeez. Yeah. Mar- yeah, O'Hara. What was her first name? Madeline O'Hara. Her, her, uh, was on, she was on this interview with um, Larry King, which was kind of unique because I didn't think she would ever put herself in a situation like that because she's, she proclaims that she ha- has no faith in anything, which is extremely hard to do, you know, because she has faith in not doing anything. So, not believing in anything at all. So it was just a rum, hum, hum, rum, it was just a boring interview. And uh, Larry King said, uh, he said, well, we're going to go to commercial. Then when we come back, we want to talk about your son, David. You know her son, David, who became a Christian. And, and she looked at Larry King and said these words on national TV. She said, well, he can just go to hell. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, Doug. I grabbed Phyllis Ann. I grabbed her really hard, and I said, "Ooh, did you hear that?" And Larry King, Larry King went ballistic. I mean, I think he would have rather have not have gone to a commercial, but he had to, you know. And, and I said, "Oh, we got to see what happens when he comes back. This is going to be good." And and Larry King, we come back on. Larry King says, um, "We've got a problem," and she said, "We do." And he said, "How can your son go to hell if there is no hell?" And she said, "Oh, I didn't mean it that way." And Larry King said, no, you're not getting off with that, you know. When you tell someone to go to hell, that means that you believe that there's a hell someplace. Separation from God. That was her last words. She left that show. I don't know if you know it or not, but she left that show and never was heard from again. We don't even know where her body is. We don't even know where she's died at. But she's gone. And she had that... I, I don't know how you can actually... Mark Lowry, you know Mark Lowry? Mark Lowry says, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. The truth of the reality of it is, is that there's no way that you can't figure out that there's a, something bigger. And the reality of it is that you and I have to understand that when we die, we're going to face God. We're going to face God, and we're either going to be welcomed or we're not going to be welcomed. And, and that's for, literally, my friends, that's everybody. It's not just us. But everyone, it's in Hebrews 9, verse 27, everyone must die. The last time I read the, the death rate for the, United, for the world is 100%. Everybody's dying. We're all the same. We might be different in color. We might be different in size. We might be different in, in money. We might be different in everything else. But one thing we have in common, we're all going to die. Amen? And we need to understand that in that dying, there's a walk, a step through, um, that we need to be prepared for. And unfortunately, most, of us, most people today are unprepared for it. And you, you even hear that when, you, when you're with families that have been struggling and, and you know that the end of life for a loved one is coming, they all say the same thing. It's all good, but it's still devastating. No matter how prepared you are for it, to be that healing, it still hurts. 
Well, you and I have to face the fact that after death, there's God. Secondly, you want to fill in that second blank? We must know that we've all sinned. None of us, none of us deserve the grace that we get. In some verse 41 of Luke 23, it says, the thief says, the good thief says, we deserve to die for our evil deeds. To die for our evil deeds. Wouldn't it be good if we had the Palestinian um, Gazette for that day, you know, and all the people, you know, they would put up all the hoopla about everybody dying. You remember the the Palestinian, it's the National Enquirer type thing, you know. And they would have told us what those guys did that caused them to be put on the on the cross. I, I guess I'm glad we don't know what it did, because what they did, because it doesn't really matter. Sin is sin, isn't it? Sin is sin. How many, how many um, times do we have to break the law to be a criminal? Once? Oh, Sandy, I won't point you out. But I, I, I won't say. I'm not going to say, Sandy, I'm not going to say anything. I don't know why that came up. Isn't that terrible? I'm sorry, honey. I'm glad you're close. we're close together, John. Then the question comes, how many sins do we have to commit to be a sinner? You know, just one. I'm sure, though, in your life, you've committed a lot less than I have. It's that, it's that whole game of, of trying to outdo, you know, to make sure that our sins aren't quite as bad as everybody else's. You know, Hitler, Hitler if we're looking at a scale of 1 to 100, Hitler would have zero, wouldn't he? He did nothing good. Killed 6 million people. You know? Sister Teresa, on the other hand, we might put her up to 80%, or maybe 90%. You know, she's a great lady, but if you read her writings, you hear her shortcomings that she knows she has and she knows that she sinned against God. Well, probably me, I, I would start out at, at a high point at 15. And, and Phyllis Sam would probably say it's too high. <laughs> 15 good things I've done in 100 out of 100. And it, even if I looked at you folks, I'd probably give you at least double that or maybe triple. 45. I'd give you all 45. Some of you I'd give maybe 60, but I'd question a little bit. It just doesn't seem to matter, does it? We're never going to get to 100, are we? Because all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short, Scripture tells us, and we've, we've missed the mark. And the wages of that sin is nothing more than death. But here's the good news. The gift of God, because we trust him, is eternal life. Amen? Let me give you a third thing. Simple as it can be, I must believe and know that Jesus was more than just a man. You have to believe that Jesus was more than just a person walking the earth. And I like it, and if you listen to this text, the, the, the thief looks at his friend who's not very nice, and he says, 
you know, we deserve what we, we're sinners. We've done wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. Now, who told him that? That's the question I have. Who told him that this man had done nothing wrong? He doesn't take time to compare himself to Jesus, to compare Jesus to anybody else. He just says, I'm telling you right now, he's never done anything wrong. That's how we have to come. That, if we don't come to Jesus with that whole realm of saying that he's done nothing wrong, then his sacrifice is not good. God doesn't want a sacrifice from us unless it comes from our heart. He doesn't want a sacrifice from us that, that is just there, out there, that, oh, I have to do this. He wants us to have it come from our heart so much that there's nothing that can get between it. He's never done anything wrong, not one thing in his life. He says, I know that this guy is a man. That thief says, I know he's a man, but I know he's more than that. I know that he's God himself. He's more than just a mere human. Ecclesiastes tells us there's not a single person in the, all the earth who is always good and never sins. Never sins. But God had Christ, in 2 Corinthians, if you read it, God had Christ who was sinless. You get that? The only person in the world who was sinless. Had Christ take our sin so that we might receive God's approval, so that we can become his friend. Get in that relationship that was way before um, we were around, that relationship that Adam and Eve had before taking that apple. Jesus says, Jesus says, says this to you and I. I'll take on what you've done. You know what he says? If, I'm, if I have 15%, he says, I'll take your 85%. I'll take your 85%. I'll take your wrap. I'll take your price. I'll do the time. I'll do everything for you so that you can be completely free. We have to listen to it. God so loved the world that he did what? Sent his only begotten son. Not to just to come and be here, but to die for us so that we might not perish, but have eternal life. My goodness. My goodness. And all we have to do is believe that after... I, I, I'm, I'm going to see God after I die, that I've sinned against God, and that I'm trusting that God is more than just a man. Do you know in our time, in our time and era of this world, do you know who has saved the most people? I'm going to tell you his name, and you still won't know him. Norman Borlaug. You know that name, anybody? Norman Borlaug won the Nobel Peace Prize, the Congressional Medal of Honor, and the President's Medal of Freedom. Only one of six people that have ever done that, and he saved the most people on this planet Earth. <laughs> he invented high-yield, disease-resistant crops. Can you imagine? And literally, one, one, one nation said he saved over a billion people here from starvation. 
They could not raise crops, and because of him, they were starting to raise crops. The great thing about it is that when Norman was receiving his last award, he said, it's not me. He said, I'm just a sinner trying to do the best I can for the Lord. And he recited Isaiah and took his award and gave all the funds away. But even him, even Mother Teresa, even the greatest person you know, Billy Graham, would never say it's what I did, but it's what God did. Amen? Let me give you the fourth one for you. I must know only God's grace can save me. This thief looked at Jesus and he said, this is what he said, he said, Memnonesco, Memnonesco, he said, he said, will you remember me today when you go home? When you get home, he knew he was going home to eternity. He said, will you remember me? Somehow on that cross, he had no alternative than to say to Jesus, remember me. Mem, Nanesco, what a great word. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, you've got it, my friend. You've got it. You've got it. You said it well. It's today. Today, when you die, you'll come with me. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something. There are many people, good Christians, who say that thief has to get off the cross and do some other things to get saved. Amen? You know what I mean? There's some good Christians. I remember, I remember when I got saved, it was in September, and I didn't know that you had to be baptized until like in, in May. So all these people were telling me I had to be baptized, so I thought, okay, we'll go to Manfield's Lake, which I'd been to Manfield's Lake and done a lot of dastardly things. Now I'm going there and get saved uh, and be baptized. And this one person, this one friend of mine at church or at work said to me, he says, you haven't been baptized yet? And I said, no. And he said, oh my goodness, I'm glad you're going to get baptized. What if you would have died? I'm thinking, oh Lord. Lord, I don't know. I, I, I looked at him and said, well, I'm kind of stupid. I think, I think I would have made it. He said, no, you have to be baptized. So you know what I said to him? I said, can you show me that in Scripture? That was the end of that discussion. And then I went to a church that was great. It was great that we went there. It was a Pentecostal church. And it was great when I told them I got saved, but they said, that's okay. Get up here and speak in tongues. As soon as I spoke in tongues, they were all happy, huh, honey? <laughs> I'm telling you. We put, the, we put this on there. And, and we have to know that it's only God's grace. It's nothing that we've done. Jesus said, you've got it. He looks at this guy, and, he's, and what did this guy just say? Memesco. That's all he said, was just remember me. But it's the way he said it. It was from his, are you ready? Heart. Every time we come to Jesus, it's because we come to him because our heart 
has that hole that needs to be filled. And it's only through his grace can that happen. Only through his grace. There's no other way. I'm sorry. It's not through baptism. Ephesians tells us it's because of his grace that you have been saved and nothing less so that we don't boast. Yeah, I got baptized. It's his grace. You know what his grace is? You ready for this? Something for nothing. That's what grace is. God gave us something, his son, for nothing. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. We can't get there any other way than having that assurance that his grace is the only thing that gets us right. Let me give you the last one, and then we'll be done with the introduction to this sermon. I know it is. It's the weirdest thing. If, we, if we're keeping it simple, these five things are all grouped together. I must know, number five, that Jesus will save me if I ask him. We must know that. I knew Jesus as a big swear word, as, uh, but never as a person. Never as a person until I recognized that he was a person. Then I asked him to come into my life. And I asked him, Mim Nanesco, and I said, please remember me. I, I, I can remember the prayer. I said, I don't know if you exist or not, but I believe you. I believe in you and I trust you. And life changed because we have to ask. It's not because we attend church every day of our lives. It's not because we do this or that. It's because of who Christ is in our lives. And the moment we ask him, he gives us a new life. Now, let me move quickly. How can we be sure that we're saved? There's a big blank there, isn't there? And I want to tell you it's this way. Jesus replied in verse 43, I assure you. That's the word. That's the word of assurance. I assure you today you'll be with me in in paradise. How can we be sure that we are saved? It's simply by relying on this promise of God's word. I assure you. Relying on that promise of God's word. I assure you Jesus would never lie to us. I assure you today, what he was saying is, you don't go to purgatory, you don't go to someplace else. Wherever I'm going, you're going to go with me. When I die and leave this world, I won't be in the grave. There will be a body there. Well, it won't be a body. There will be ashes there. Um, But I won't be there. I'll be at home with the Lord. I trust that completely. Because he said, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Well, if that's true, let me give you the four things we need to know about salvation. I'm just going to read them off to you. Are you ready? This is how... Gosh. I wish there was a way that that God would be able to help us understand that this is how simple it is. Salvation. Are you ready for it? Salvation is immediate. Today you'll be with me in paradise, not some other time. It's immediate. Not only is it immediate, but salvation is certain. 
certain. There's no doubt about it. He didn't say, well, if you get down off the cross and go do this. If you get down off the cross and go do this, if you, if you, okay, you got about 35, 40 minutes before your lungs collapse, you better start really praying. You know? He didn't say that. It's certain. It's certain. It's immediate. And here's the thing I like. If you listen to the text real close, he says, today you'll be in paradise with me. Salvation is a relationship that he's been wanting to have with us all of our lives. Not only is it a relationship, but I like it. You'll be with me in paradise. Salvation is a forever place. Forever place. Where we're going to go and be there the rest of eternity. And I don't know how, how long eternity is, but it's more than 80 years. Amen? It's more than a trillion years. And um, I don't know if Phyllis will get tired of me by then or not, but... She'll be going, I can see it. Okay, Jesus, can you get him to go over here today and do something? You know what I mean, Lisa? It'll, it'll be rough. Can you take Roger over here for it, Floyd? <laughs> well, the question down at the bottom that we have to answer to ourselves is when can we be saved? And the answer is today. Today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the hour to receive God's favor. This is the day to be saved, it says. We've got to quit waiting. You know, it's sort of like doing your will. Anybody got a will done? You got a will done, Cheryl? Good job. You guys all have your wills done? Good job. I'm going to do one. Anybody going to do one? There we go. Good. <laughs> There's some that's going to do one, too, isn't there? Well, the some that's going to do one have missed out. So we need to do it, don't we? Just as we need to do the same thing with salvation, we need to accept Christ today, not tomorrow. One of the last conversations I had with my mother was about Jesus Christ, and she said to me, I'll accept him when, he, when I'm on my deathbed. I said, geez, Mom, you won't know about that then. What if you die instantly? It's too late. What if you get in incapacitated and can't remember. Today is the day, isn't it? If you haven't settled it in your heart, believe that you're going to die and face God. Believe that we're all sinners. Believe that he was more than just a man. Believe that it's only God's grace that can get us right. And believe that he will save me if I just ask. Amen? Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time right here, right now, it's such an important time of prayer. such an important time because I hope we all in this moment right here right now say mem sieco Lord remember me we say it from our heart not from our head we say remember me Lord God because I believe in you
And I know that when I die, I'm going to see you. It's kind of crazy, but perhaps I've ignored you a lot. So help me, help me in this time right now to quit ignoring and, and hear you speaking to me right now. And hear you giving us that assurance that you want us to have of the certainty and the immediacy of being in a relationship with you that lasts forever. And that's what it means when we say, remember me, Lord God. Help us to do that in our hearts right now. It's not, a, it's not a, a prayer of all the right words. It's just a prayer of saying, Lord, remember me. I'm, I'm that sinner that needs your grace. If we haven't settled that in our hearts, then help us to do it today. so that we can do those things that tell the world. We can get baptized. We can speak in tongues. We can serve on committees. We can do whatever needs to be done in the church as a response to you remembering me. God, thanks for remembering me today. Say that in your heart. God, thanks for remembering me today. Right now, right now, Lord God, I pray that you'd hear my cry and remember me. We pray this in your son's name today and for his glory. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand together and sing. um